Hello, Courier Nation. Welcome to the Deliver on Your Business podcast, where you are the boss. Each week, we talk about how to make the most of your business as an independent contractor, as a courier delivering for gig economy apps like Grubhub, DoorDash, Postmates, Uber Eats, and so many others. Well, hello, Courier Nation, and happy December. Uh, hard to believe the year's gone by this quick already. Folks, just as a uh, kind of a programming note for uh, upcoming episodes, I'm going to be kind of uh, scaling down to the end of the year. I'll still be uh, planning on putting out an episode each week, but I'm probably going to go a lot more basic, a little more, um, probably not as involved, at least for the last few weeks of the year. And then we'll get rolling again, kind of full blast again with the start of the new year. So this will be the last really full episode of the year. And this week, I'm asking the question, is Top Dasher for DoorDash worth pursuing? What about Grubhub Premier Level or even Uber Eats Pro? You know, at the start of every month, Top Dasher is kind of a hot topic, you know, especially in the DoorDash forums on Facebook and Reddit and everything, you know, because it's all about all the people that made it, uh, all the people that are kind of in those last days trying to get to whatever it is you need to achieve by the end of the month. And uh, so all the people that either are or aren't, and then of course, there's all the arguments about whether or not it's even worth bothering with. You know, you made it, you didn't make it. What do I have to do? And the ultimate question on all of these is, is it really worth it? Is it worth pursuing? Let's talk a little bit about incentives with these gig companies. Now, First question is going to be, why are these incentives even necessary for them? The bottom line is, it, it all comes down to the fact that they're using independent contractors. And when you're using independent contractors, you cannot force people to say, yes, you have to take this delivery and that delivery. All you can do is offer an incentive. All you can do is offer a bonus. And so... That's kind of what all these different programs are like. And and especially now Top Dasher didn't used to have an acceptance rate component about it. Uh, this uh, a month ago they added that. But too often the delivery fee on its own isn't going to be enough to make it worth taking a delivery, at least not for a lot of us who pay close attention to that kind of thing. And so if the customer's not tipping well, how do these companies make sure that that food still gets delivered? And they can do one of two things. They can either, they can hire employees instead of using contractors, and then they can tell you that, yes, you have to deliver this. You can't do that with contractors. You can pay better on lower price deliveries, or you can offer incentives. And I'm going to tell you that these companies are not going to go the employee route unless they are forced to by, you know, a law that was just passed with AB5. New Jersey's trying to kind of force them to hire people as employees now. And uh, I'm going to tell you that I think that the, uh, some company could probably figure out that they could be a lot more efficient with employees than under the current model. But that's, that's a whole different story altogether. Now, DoorDash, under their old pay model, uh, they designed it so that they paid more on lower tip deliveries. But the problem with that was that customers were figuring out that, you know what, the Dasher's not making any more money if they paid a tip than if they were. And, and they were really, there was a lot of controversy around that pay model, so they were forced to change it. 
And so now we see, especially Grubhub and DoorDash, kind of opting for that third option, really relying on incentives, and especially with these program incentives. They can't, they can't make you take any offer. They can't make you take a percentage of offers. DoorDash got sued here a couple of years ago. They paid out a huge settlement uh, based on doing that. But what we now have are things like Top Dasher with DoorDash, and you got your Premier Pro and Partner status with Grubhub. I want to talk a little bit about DoorDash and kind of the struggle with their new pay model because, you know, as I mentioned, under the old pay model, they could pay a little extra on deliveries that the customers didn't tip well. Now, what happened was they paid you next to nothing on the ones that the customers did tip well, and I think that was the problem more than the way the tips were structured. But anyway... Um, one of the reasons though, that I think DoorDash really surged to the lead in market share was they were doing a better job at getting orders completed, but they're struggling now with their new pay model because all of a sudden now they rolled out these, you know, and people were used to getting $5 and 50 cents or somewhere in that area as the minimum amount. And all of a sudden DoorDash is offering $2 for a delivery and people are looking like, like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Right. Now, I said way back in the beginning that I think when all is said and done, they're going to eventually kind of gravitate to back to the same thing that they were doing. I, I see them already starting to do that. They're just not going to be obvious about it any longer. I'm starting to see higher delivery fees now when the tip is low. But, uh, you know, I'll also be fair that, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm rejecting the heck out of 2 and $3 delivery offers. So my sample data is probably not the best to make a true comparison on. But it brings out this issue that DoorDash is struggling a lot more than I think they expected to in getting orders fulfilled. And uh, I think the acceptance rates across the board have tanked so badly under the new pay model that they had to figure out another way to get people to take orders. Now, they rolled out the Top Dasher program, and originally it was based on your completion rate and the number of deliveries you did and your customer rating. Starting with deliveries in November, which affected the uh, top dasher rate for December, they started requiring a 70% acceptance rate. So I don't think there's any coincidence in the fact that they have started doing acceptance rate as part of this. I don't know if it's something that they planned on when they first rolled it out, but uh, ultimately they they now have Top Dasher as an incentive to take the vast majority of your deliveries. And so like any of the others, it's a matter of, you know, you you meet certain requirements and you get certain rewards. Well, what are the rewards for Top Dasher? Now, based on the language in their description, it says that the rewards are really not necessarily set in stone from one month to the month next. They could change. Now, in the email that I got when I got Top Dasher back in November, uh, the rewards were basically two things uh, that you could dash at any time, which means you could schedule your, you could go in and just dash now anywhere, whether or not that region was filled up. And then you get more deliveries is what they said. And in my understanding, nothing has changed in December yet. Uh, whether or not things change in the future, I don't know. The question is, are these rewards really anything? And I got to tell you, I I'm very skeptical as far as what they say about getting priority on deliveries because I did not notice any difference. You know, I, in fact, I think I probably got fewer deliveries um, in November. Oh, the offers didn't seem as good in, in November as they did in December. 
And in fact, I know my hourly rate, uh, my hourly profit dropped by about a dollar and a half. So I don't know, you know, that's, that's a good question. Is it, do they really offer more? There, there are a lot of things that could be now that there were more people that were top dasher, maybe that just meant that there were the market was that much more saturated and that's why the offers didn't look as good and it may have had nothing to do with status. I just didn't notice an improvement, uh, but I can't tell without really seeing, you know, what exactly what they might have offered or how many times they supposedly break the tie in your favor between when, when the, it could be you or somebody else and you're top dasher and they're not, you know what I mean? Now the dash now feature though, um, being able to dash at any time, that can be a good benefit. And and it all has to do with the way that DoorDash only makes so many slots available in any given region. So it used to be, you know, that on any particular day, at any particular time, you could only have so many people s- scheduled to deliver in a particular region. And on your delivery map, you know, it would show up as pink or red if there was room for somebody to go in and, and deliver in that area. And if it was filled up, that area went gray and you could not deliver in that area. There was no way to kind of go off schedule with DoorDash that way. And what they did with Top Dasher is they said, you can go in and you can just go available anywhere, no matter what the status is. And that can be good, especially in areas where I think ultimately what that feature gives you is that it makes it a little bit more like Postmates and Uber Eats, where you can just go available anywhere at any time, not worry about schedule or anything. And and I think that's a good feature. Uh, the question is whether it's worth it, right? But I'll tell you, you know, in my market, it's probably not as big of a deal, uh, especially like between, you know, the, the rush hours, the dinner and the lunch rushes. Usually you can log in at any region about any time. So it's only kind of those times in between, you know, the two to five or just those slower periods that it really makes much of a difference. This is the kind of thing that is going to vary based on where you are. It's going to vary based on either whether there are a lot of restaurants in your area or if they have too many dashers competing for those slots. Now, what do you need to qualify to be a top dasher? Now, originally the main, the requirement was you had to maintain a uh, an average score of 4.7 out of 5 on the customer rating. And honestly, that's not that hard to achieve. Um, and then you have to complete 100 deliveries for the last month. You had to have at least 200 lifetime deliveries. And then you had to have a completion rate of 95%, which meant that if you accepted an order, you had to complete that order 95 times out of the last 100. And, uh, so, you know, you basically, you could not reassign or unassign yourself on an order that often. Now I've never had a problem with any of those things. I thought those are reasonable. Those are not asking too much and they're not that hard to obtain. You got to be a little more thoughtful about some of the orders that you accept, realizing that, okay, you're definitely making more of a commitment now, but you know, here's the deal. I think when you're accepting a delivery, you're making a commitment, I think customer service is an important thing, whether you're an independent contractor or an employee. So in my opinion, those things were fair. But like I mentioned earlier, starting in November, then they added this 70% acceptance rate. So by the end of November, you had to have accepted 70 out of the last 100 offers. And uh, now the thing with uh, DoorDash is that they base their ratings only on the last 100. So you could have been at zero for three months, it doesn't matter. But then if you took your last 70 delivery offers in a row, you were at 70. All that other stuff didn't matter. 
Now, that was a game changer, I think, as far as Top Dasher. I, I went ahead and went after Top Dasher and got that in November. I didn't even bother with it when they added the acceptance rate thing. And it didn't surprise me a whole lot when they added acceptance rate. And it may have been something that they were planning all along. You know, they kind of, they probably wouldn't have had as many people going for that acceptance rate to, or going for Top Dasher when they first rolled it out if acceptance rate was part of it. But here's the deal. Now that a lot of people have been top dasher and then they introduce the acceptance rate component, you probably have a lot of people that went ahead and chased that 70% that if when they originally introduced this program, they probably wouldn't have bothered with it to begin with. You see what I mean? They kind of do this in increments. But personally for me, it just wasn't worth it. So we talked about Top Dasher, but let's talk a little bit about Grubhub and their Premier and Pro and Partner levels, uh, because I think this may have been you know some of the inspiration that DoorDash looked at what they were doing and thought, okay, maybe we should try something like that. You know, when they're having trouble having orders accepted, they got to figure out something, right? So Grubhub has had this, you know, at least in the two years that I've been doing this. And to understand the impact of that program, though, you've got to understand how they do their scheduling if you're not a Grubhub driver. Because with Grubhub, you have two options. You can just go available at any time and accept orders, or you can sign up for a block of time. And the blocks are usually like one to two hour increments. In my market, they're almost always one hour increments. But anyway, you can expect that you're going to have a lot better and much more consistent offers when you're on schedule. So they do give a very high priority to being on schedule. When I'm off schedule, I'm seeing a lot more of the fast food orders that are several miles away and not paying very well. And so, you know, the exception being, you know, really busy periods. And then at that time, it's just kind of a free for all. But the bottom line is your best chance at being profitable on Grubhub is to schedule yourself. And so what they have is they've got these program levels. They have Premier, they have Pro, and they have Partner. Now, the qualifications for each market, I think they vary. Uh, I'm going to give just as an example what they do in my market. So for Premier, you have to accept 95% of all offers which is basically everything, you know, you, you can, you can reject, you know, maybe one or two in a week or something like that. You've got to drop less than 10% of the blocks that you've scheduled and you've got to show up for every single block that you scheduled. You know, you can drop it, but, uh, there, um, you can drop it ahead of time, but if you haven't dropped it, you've got to work that schedule. And so to get pro level, Basically, it's 85% acceptance rate, and you got to drop less than 20% of your blocks, and you got to have 100% attendance. And if you aren't either of those two levels, then you're considered a partner. Now, Grubhub states that Premier Level gives you first access to new blocks, that it gives you eligibility for catering orders, they give you access to referral programs, and they give you perks. You know, whatever perks are. I've never seen the perks, honestly. The rewards for pro level are basically the same, except for that you get second access to scheduling new blocks. And here's the thing, though, with all the stuff that they're listing, there's no such thing as a referral program. They've uh, they've never had, and, and I've been on Premier, it's kind of more of a technicality, but there was never a referral program. There was never anything related to that. Catering orders, I think maybe I saw two. 
And, and, uh, the problem with you, you could have maybe the next access to being in part of their catering program, which is something that they've really scaled down. And I've seen a lot of things where I'm not even sure that was really worth it. I, I couldn't tell you, I guess, what, yes or no, without having been part of it. But ultimately the only real reward was schedule access. And the way that it works with Grubhub is premier drivers, they get the first access, they get, uh, they open up the schedule on Thursday. And so premier drivers can all go in then and try and schedule themselves. And they grab those, they get the first shot at all those different blocks that are available. Pro drivers get access on Friday and then everybody else gets access starting on Saturday. Now, the other program that we could kind of talk about, it's quite a bit different actually, is Uber Eats Pro. Uh, They've just recently been rolling this out in some markets. Now, because they're just starting to roll it out you know, they could be doing kind of like what DoorDash did. Right now, acceptance rate isn't a part of it. I wouldn't be surprised to see that rolled into it. But really, they don't even track acceptance rate anymore. So what Uber Eats does, though, is basically what they do is just it's all based on how many deliveries you accept and when you accept them. They give you points for when you accept an order or when you do when you complete an order. And, and the points vary. So during the peak times, generally they give you six points during kind of semi peak times, they give you three points and every other time is one point. And you've got to get to like a hundred points for what they call gold level. And then they also have platinum and diamond levels. And those are different based on markets as far as how many points you've got to get in those areas. But you know, the rewards there, those are really true perks, kind of like what you know, Grubhub says they give perks, but they don't. But, you know, what they do, there really are more perks. They're kind of extra things that you could do. You have, like, for example, at gold level, you get 3% cash back on buying gas with their Uber Eats debit card. You get free roadside assistance. You get some discounts on bike helmets. And there's some tuition coverage with ASU Online. And as of this moment, really, it looks like the only difference between – um gold, platinum, and diamond is you get a little bit more, you get up to 5% tax cash back on that, you know, on those gas purchases. And the question, when you look at all of these programs are, are these incentives even worth it? And ultimately it comes down to this question is, are the rewards worth the trade-off? And here's the deal, folks. I think for DoorDash and Grubhub, the only real reward with any substance is just better availability for delivery times. You know, everything else is is just kind of a virtual carrot on the stick that's pretty meaningless. Now, DoorDash says that they offer more deliveries, but I don't see it happening. You know, it just, it's not noticeable. But if you're in a market where it's harder to get a schedule thing, those might be you know, a little more substance than in some other areas. And the question becomes, what does it cost you to qualify for these things? And really with the DoorDash and Grubhub programs, the only real qualifiers it really costs you is your acceptance rate. I don't see any problem with keeping your schedule or only dropping so many blocks on Grubhub. I don't see a problem with having to complete an order once you accept it. And you should be good enough in your customer service to maintain that rating. So with those things, you're not really giving up. But acceptance rate, I think, can really cost you a lot. It can be very costly. Folks, I'm starting an experiment here. For the month of December, I decided I'm going to go ahead and try and shoot for Top Dasher and just track, see what it costs me. What's it? How is it different? So essentially what I'm doing is I'm, I'm rejecting the Walmart orders and I'm, I'm rejecting the pay, you know, order and pay, and then maybe just the really ridiculous orders. And that leaves me right around about 70% of the orders that I'm taking. Now, 
In October, I profited about $21.90 an hour on DoorDash deliveries. And uh, in November is $20.57. You know, so both of them up over 20 bucks. And now I know I'm only five days into December, but so far I'm running at $14.18 when trying to get 70%. So in other words, when I'm trying to take 70% of the offers, I'm making about two thirds of what I was making before when I was more selective or put it another way, being selective is earning me 50% more than what I was doing when I wasn't. And that is huge. That's huge guys. And here's the deal I think is when you're weighing the benefits, I can afford to not be top dasher where I'm at and I can afford to be partner on Grubhub. My market is busy enough that I can still grab plenty of blocks on Saturday with Grubhub and I can sign in most of the times that I want to sign in on DoorDash. But the question is, what if your market isn't? Well, then you've got to ask your question is, is it enough? Because let's say for me, if if taking 70% means now I'm only making 14 an hour, is it enough? And for me, that's not worth it. Not to me anyway. Here's the deal. I can make a lot more money. I can make more money doing other things right now, but I choose this because of the flexibility that gives me. You know what I mean? But if I'm now making significantly less, all of a sudden it's no longer worth doing. And you've got to remember this, folks, that you're not making what you think here. You know, when, when I mentioned that $21 an hour or $14 an hour, that's my profit. That is after taking into effect you know, my actual cost per mile on my car, which for me runs about 25 cents a mile. And if you're accepting every order, you're driving a lot more miles. And if you've got a newer car, your cost per mile is a lot more. And so don't forget folks that if you're making $14 an hour gross, your total, that's more like about seven to $10 an hour profit. And those kind of numbers, those are reality in a lot of markets when you're doing top dasher or premier in in those places where those are so important and guys you got to ask yourself is that enough money and and that becomes the question is if you have to have those levels to make it then you got to just start asking yourself is that enough is it still worth doing here's another question to think about are these programs violating the independent contractor relationship you know I think in places like mine where I can do it okay, whether or not I'm that, no, it's not a problem. It's it's an incentive, whether or not that incentive is worth it or not, I can make that choice. But if it's something that, if you're in a place where you're kind of forced into being one of those to even make it, I think that is. I think that that's crossing the line to them requiring you to take orders. So, you know, and that's, you know, once again, I think that's kind of a market dependent thing. Now, I haven't evaluated Uber Eats yet, and at this point, I think it's hard to compare them because on one side, you know, the acceptance rate doesn't matter. All they want is you deliver so many orders. I, Like I said, I think that may change. I don't know. It, it kind of depends on how badly they are struggling at getting orders accepted. But I think because they have Uber drivers that can switch into it, it's not as big of an issue for them as some of the other places that are delivery only. But with Uber Eats, you could deliver as few as 17 deliveries in a month and get most of those perks. That's not hard to do at all. And like I said, you know, those things are really more like those are true perks, but 
there is something really there. But the question is, is it really anything much at all? You know, think about all these things that they're giving. Now, I haven't dug into the ASU online tuition thing, and I I got a feeling it's not as great as what it is made out to be. Here's the thing is that, you know, tuition is not a month on and month off thing. So I'm not sure how they're doing it. That's good for a future post or uh, episode maybe is to look into that a little bit. So maybe there's something here, but I'm just not sure how that works. But, you know, here's the thing, like, you know, the the main thing of any real substance, you know, you get a helmet discount, woo woo, and maybe $5 that you save. There's a lot of places, folks, where you can save $5 on a helmet. What about the cash back, though? And I think some people will really latch on to that. But guys, do the math here. Seriously, add up your gas costs for the month. I'm I'm averaging right around $300 a month. Well, 3% of that is $9. That's that's one average Grubhub delivery, you know, so it's not like that's really adding a whole lot to, you know. Um, and the thing is that you got to ask about something like uh, the Uber Eats program is what's the opportunity cost? Because the deal is for me, I make more on delivering for other people than I do for Uber Eats. So, you know, how much more would you get if you're delivering for somebody else? Is it a dollar per delivery? You know, for me, it's probably, you know, more like two to three dollars a delivery, to be honest. But, you know, 17 deliveries at a dollar each. Well, that's already paid you double that nine dollar cash back that you're getting. So, you know, it's it's a whole question. Are you getting back more than what you're giving up? So let's talk about uh, real quickly, maybe some of the other kind of incentives. You got peak pay with DoorDash or uh, Uber Eats has got their booths or they've got their quests. And these, I think, tend to be more substantive and uh, you know, they're a little more tangible. But the thing is, I think with these is you can deliver them on, you can evaluate those on a delivery by delivery basis. Now, I'm going to tell you right up front, I don't trust Grubhub and I don't trust Postmates on any of the offers that they make because they've pulled the plug too often or they just haven't come through. You know, Grubhub has constantly pushed out notifications that they're offering bonuses and I've never received a penny. You know, so when it comes time that they really need drivers, uh, it happened already in a snowstorm recently. And guess what? Uh, I'm not doing any extra deliveries for Grubhub. I will do the deliveries for Grubhub if it pays well enough, but I'm not chasing anything because they're promising anything because I don't believe they're going to do it. Postmates, what they do is they'll give you like a bonus. You complete so many deliveries in a time frame, but I've had way too many times where I'm getting about one or two deliveries away and all of a sudden the offers from them dry up. It's busy as all get out with everybody else. And I know it's busy as all get out with them, but it's like they quit offering it so that they don't have to pay that up. And so trust goes away. So that's one of the questions. Do you even trust them to come through on what they're dangling in front of you? Now, I'm going to make one quick note about boosts on Uber Eats. You know, a couple of weeks ago, they came out with some really high boosts when they rolled out their new pay model. But here's the deal on that. Now, a boost with Uber Eats, like they'll have it as a, a factor. So they'll offer a boost of 2.0, and that means you get double the delivery fee. Well, that's great, right? Under their new pay structure, what they've done is they've cut the delivery fee in half, and then they add in a trip supplement. And of course, the trip supplement isn't as much as what they dropped. But the deal is, though, that with those boosts, they only apply those to the delivery fees. They do not apply those against that supplement. So basically, that boost is now about half of what it was before. So, you know, those those are some of the things that you got to think about on those things. Now, Quest, 
Um, you know, like uh, when they offer so much for so many deliveries, you know, the way I think you evaluate that is what does that add? And, and generally, if you're getting two to two and a half deliveries in an hour, that means that, you know, let's say if a Quest is paying $2 per delivery, that's adding 4 or $5 per hour to those deliveries. And so, yeah, you know, is that, that extra $5 an hour kind of offset the difference between what you normally make between Uber Eats or anybody else? Then maybe it's worth pursuing. You see what I'm saying? Here's the deal, I think, finally, when you're evaluating any of these incentives, and you just got to ask these questions. Is it achievable? Is it something that you can even expect to accomplish? I've had some where, you know, basically they're they're requiring you to do almost like three deliveries in an hour. And it's like, yeah, there's no way. It's just you can't do it. And so it's not even worth trying. What does it really give you is the second question. Is it something that you'd really use? Is it something that really makes a difference? You know, I'm never going to use the ASU tuition with Uber Eats. And and is there actual value in what they're dangling in front of you? The big question, the third one that you've got to ask is, what does it cost you? You know, like I mentioned, I'm running... When I'm running 70% acceptance rate, I'm making $7 an hour less than when I'm just extremely selective. And so that's that's a very real cost. If you're measuring all of your deliveries, you can figure that part out. Now, maybe it's a maybe the question is about opportunity cost. Because, for example, I average about $21 an hour on Grubhub and about $14 on Uber Eats. So would focusing on Uber Eats pay enough to make up that difference to make up what I could be making if I'm not spending my time on that delivery with Uber Eats and delivering for somebody that's paying more. You know, so all of those things you got to evaluate. What is that costing you to go after that? And then finally the main question is is the cost greater than the benefit? Now here's my thoughts. And this is all based on my market, my way of doing things, but maybe it helps you kind of figure out some things that you can do to try and evaluate. And it's not definitely, it's definitely not telling you this is how you should see it, but it is how I see it. To me, Top Dasher isn't worth it. Premier and Pro with Grubhub, they're not worth it because they don't give me enough to make it worth those lower earnings. And even with the Uber Eats Pro, now here's the deal. I would probably always make Uber Eats Pro and I'm probably going to deliver enough on Uber Eats, mainly because I do just enough to kind of be able to stay familiar with them. It's probably more about being familiar with them than it is about really making money with them. I don't have to accept a percentage on them, but the bottom line is I make so much less on their deliveries that it's not worth that, you know, extra $10 of tangible benefit. And, uh, you know, quests of $2 per delivery, they're still not enough to offset the difference between what I make between them, you know, and everybody else. So generally, it's not worth taking an order that I normally wouldn't take. You know what I'm saying there? Now, your market could be different. It could be very different. Your access to schedule might be much more difficult. And at that point, you just got to ask, is it enough if you pursued those? Maybe are you still making enough to make it worthwhile? And you just got to ask if it is. Now, one way I look at it is I do primarily Grubhub because they are more steadily good, you know, paying well enough and paying what I need to make to make it worth doing them. But if I've got to do 95% access and my earnings per hour go way down, so then I've got to ask, are they still the better one? You know what I'm saying? Are they still 
better than DoorDash or Postmates or Uber Eats. Now, maybe Uber Eats with their quests and their greater flexibility might actually make more sense or, you know, especially the flexibility or, but then that question becomes with that flexibility, is it still enough? Is it enough to make it worth continuing to do this? And for me, if it's a question between having access to scheduling and having access to going, I think what's usually going to happen is either I'm going to shift to somebody else or I'm just going to quit driving altogether. And at that point, when it's moved away from incentive and moved away from being a bonus, and it has moved instead to being more like a pay cut or a punishment. And that's, you know, that's not what incentives are supposed to be. But here's the bottom line, Courier Nation. You got to know what the benefit really is. Understand what you are doing well enough to know what it is really costing you. Now, your answers are going to be different than mine because your your philosophy, your approach, your market, all of those things are going to be different. But I think the guiding principle remains the same when you're looking at any of these, whether it is quests or you know individual delivery incentives or whether it is programs like Top Dasher or Grubhub Premier or anything like that. And that question becomes, is the benefit greater than the cost? And if it is, go for it. If it's not, run away. Folks, I want to thank you for uh, uh, listening through to another episode here. And uh, if, if the podcast or the website or anything like that is bringing you any kind of value, could you do me a favor and spread the news? Let people know about us, because if I'm helping you out, I'm hoping that I'm able to help other people out as well. In the meantime, but one thing that I'm going to ask, as I always ask when closing, is whatever the situation, please go from here. Continue to take control of your life, your career, your earnings, your business. Go and be the boss.